All right, man. Welcome to the introduction for episode 168. This will be the second and final part of the AI series because I was basically stunned watching people talk about AI online or if data collection matters and basically just guessing and then acting like their guess was true. So I have done the best I can to lay down what is probably correct. These are not easy things. It's mostly hidden information. And at the end of the day, I probably was able to detect the tip of the iceberg. But to the best of my knowledge, this is the most extensively researched topic that we've taken on to date. So I guess I'll make the pun I made during the first part of the AI series. Old McGoogle had some code. AI, AI, oh my. And people have no idea. So let's jump in. Uh, it's a bit dark at times, and most of that is pushed to hour two when we actually certainly outline what social rating systems echoed and things like Black Mirror look like, how they're implemented, and what they mean. Let's jump in with Jason for 168. Cheers. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 168. This will be the capping of the two part series of artificial intelligence. Welcome, Jason. Good morning, Crow. So how goes it in your neck of the woods, man? It is a beautiful but hot day. Hopefully we get a little thunderstorm today and cool things down. All right. To cap off the artificial intelligence, uh, I should mention, um, you know, I watch people online saying things about AI. Most of what I see is so far from the mark. That's kind of what brought this series forward. So I did research a lot, maybe more than we've done for any episodes. Um, I even referenced the the first round of mainstream books of people who claim to be in the boardrooms of those who make AI, the companies that are responsible for AI, all of which will be outlined. Um, and we got a lot to get through here uh, to try to jam it into two hours. Matter of fact, I'm guessing the second hour might go a little long, but we have some things for the intro. So you want to knock those out real quick? Our interview we did with Jay Widener and Yvonne Palermo is up on their YouTube channel called Reality Check. Everyone check that out. That was great. And Jay Widener is, of course, the very interesting fellow who first proposed, among many other things, the theory about Stanley Kubrick and the moon landings and all that. Right. And we also did Cold Reality Radio. And then we also did Inside the Matrix. Right. So I think also in, in for members, the main forum thread uh, is has opened up a new thread that will track with links all the outside appearances we do. Well, we are trying to do as much as we can, ones that make sense anyway. Right. Um, we bet them if they look OK, we go. Even if they look marginal, we go. Um, we're just looking to speak to, to more audiences whenever we can. Um, anything else you can think of for the intro before we jump in? It is official that I will be doing an appearance at the 2019 International Flat Earth Conference. I'll be doing what they're calling a workshop speech, and I'm going to be doing it on the social engineering of our worldview and the universe and all that kind of thing. So I'm going to take a Crow 777 radio episode and bring it to life in an hour format. So we'll see how that goes. This is my first engagement like this. Cool. And I'll show you how much things like this matter, um, regardless of what you might think about them. Right now is the 50th anniversary of the supposed Apollo landings. I watched some segments that are being broadcast to see if I saw new footage, which I did. I also saw footage that's easily, easily, you could punch holes in it all day long. Point here is uh, Walter Cronkite back in the day was considered the most trusted man in America. He was the lead news anchor back when there were three stations in the United States. He did a segment during the moon landings back in the day 
that said the Flat Earth Society of London now has to rethink what they've been doing all these years. And meanwhile, you got to realize it goes back a couple hundred years. Not kidding. But since they were showing Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, they had a paper excerpt showing um, the response from the Flat Earth Society then. And by the way, they weren't really backing off. So that tells you something. But this is a thing that's not going away. I think that's about all we have for the intro, Jason. Yep. All right. So this is, of course, the second episode on AI, with the first being episode 165, if you want to check that out, if you have not already. But to begin, let's ask a simple question. Are we okay with a machine making decisions that will affect our lives, from what things cost to interest payments or even what we can and cannot do? This is what AI is already engaged in. And to make the point, there is no customer service to contact if you disagree with what is systematically implemented. As a means of control, this may be one of the main points. We have seen the idea of customer service diminish over the past two decades, so when AI does what it does and you don't like it, who will you contact? In an Orwellian world, there is no concern for human concerns by design. You know, everything about the digital age, this is one of the things that the people who remember the analog age uh, before everything was computerized, um, customers mattered. If you picked up a phone to call a business that you were engaged with, uh, most of the time you were helped out to the extent possible. And that is one thing that is disappearing in the digital age. And so when people that are my age, and I'm said to be the last year of the baby boomers, we will have generations of people who never knew that other time. And the lack of concern for a so-called customer or even a human being, uh, that's what they'll be used to. So it's going to be a hell of a thing to see. Yeah, and that's on top of all the outsourcing they've already been doing from Western countries, especially the United States. So you think it's tough to get someone on the phone now? Oh, you just wait. Well, two things happened that intentionally started to kill customer service. The first thing is pick up the phone and start entering your code and pushing this button and listening to this robot. And then, you know, so it was such a hassle to get to a person. Uh, people began to quit trying. The second thing is the outsourcing of customer service to other countries where the speakers weren't so great at English, which made it a, a huge hassle to try to uh, make contact with a human being. But this is all by design, man, uh, no doubt, because if what human beings were concerned with was the paramount concern. It would not have went that way. What the paramount concern was, was business and money making. And even that is no longer the chief concern. As you will see in this episode, the king of the world right now is not gold, is not silver, is not fiat currency. It is human data collection. And by the end of this episode, you'll begin to understand why. And just so you know how much they shove this stuff in our face, do you remember a few years back they actually had a show called Outsource or something like that? Outsourced, maybe, where it was taking place in India and they had a few American guys there teaching the Indian folks how to do customer service. And I remember the preview for it or the trailer for it actually had one of the Indian guys doing an imitation of a southern accent. So... <laughs> My Shoving name is it Steve. in our face. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't recall the episode, but I get it, man. Anyhow, go ahead. In an age of existence where common sense has fled daily life, the beginning of the digital age and AI are now foundationally here to stay. 
those who still possess common sense rightly ask questions like, if science is a serious endeavor, what place does entertainment have in fields of scientific knowing? Yet we see the endless mixing of science and entertainment to the point that our culture currently accepts theories based on theories as if they were laws. Gravity is a very good example, as is the nonsensical idea of black holes, which violate the laws of thermodynamics. And by the way, there is a magical red button in Washington, D.C. that can destroy the entire world. This is the current state of common sense in our world, and these are the conditions set in place for AI-driven systems that will allow machines to make decisions about us all with full coverage in its cultural effects. In a world lacking common sense, is it possible to defend humanity from the cold, soulless machines designed to track and analyze everything about us? You know, there's signs that show uh, this is coming and it's going to go everywhere and there's nothing to stop it. And then there are other signs like typewriters is a good example. There are huge numbers of people now forming groups online uh, that use typewriters because they're sick and tired of computers and reading off screens and everything that comes with it um, to the point where there was one of the last typewriter repair shops in the areas around San Francisco that was about to close. And people stood up to save it. And they even had all these famous people come on to say, yeah, I use a typewriter. So there are enclaves, but they're not very big. Um, in short, this is coming and it's coming everywhere. Are you sure those aren't just hipsters? Well, to some degree it is, but nonetheless, um, it's systems that are being kept alive. And surprisingly enough, you can call them hipsters. There were young people uh, in the group of people that were now becoming typewriter enthusiasts. And there were even famous writers like, uh, it's the dude's name who's on the road with the Grateful Dead now, um, John Mayer. Um, John Mayer came on to say, you know, I got all these hard drives and, you know, I know I've got my stuff saved, but the truth is you never go back to a saved hard drive. So now I type everything because you can hold it in your hand. It is. It's the true difference between a thing you think about that has no physical existence and a piece of paper with ideas on it that you put there that you can hold in your hand. So, I mean, it is a thing. Unfortunately, not big enough to be a major thing. It makes me think of the Hunter S. Thompson movies I've been watching the past couple of days. He was doing crazy stuff, but always had the typewriter there with him. That was like the immediate image I got in my mind, all the crazy gonzo journalism, as he called it. But he always had that typewriter there, even amongst all his shenanigans. Well, half the time when he's pictured, it's almost like his purse, right? He's got that portable typewriter going with him everywhere. Currently, there are active AI systems that allow AI to create AI independent of human oversight. AI is now also able to share learning across domains. This logically means that the parent AI can teach its children across domains. By the way, it is claimed China's Baidu is the current leader and was the first to teach AI to cross domains. Currently, the creators of AI are predominantly male, mostly white or Chinese, and live in the United States, China, or Western Europe. This is the group tasked with manifesting what AI can and will do. So much for diversity among the gods of soulless AI, which is important to consider as these are the tribes that will decide the so-called values programmed into AI systems. And this is the main concern, you know, when systems are implemented, and, and this goes through history, it's always some group, historically, of white men 
implementing systems that affect the majority of humanity. Um, in this case, and by the way, in a few of these bullet points, you're going to hear the, the creators of AI referred to as gods. That's a poke in the face, and it's a lower G, gods. Um, and the reason they're being referred to in that way is because the systems they're creating are going to affect absolutely everything. Um, but this is the, the whole thing. This is going to go across every country if it continues on the way it is. And this is not a diverse group of people. And as a matter of fact, females are almost certainly not represented, which we will point out later with memos that were passed around within the community. The gods of AI are currently developing and implementing what is called Artificial Narrow Intelligence, or ANI. The systems are designed to do single tasks better than a human being can. Already commercially in use, ANI can be found in email, making decisions about our inboxes, how we get search returns online, credit cards or loans, images taken with phones or online, and how we drive our cars. Knowing this, the main question becomes whose values have been inserted into the AI? The short answer, not ours. The values and ideals that have been coded into AI belong to the gods of AI, previously outlined as all male and mostly white or Chinese. One of the claims in this research is that the gods of AI have a motto, build first and ask for forgiveness later. Really, knowingly building things that will need to be forgiven seems Orwellian at best, but I would ask, is anyone really asking for forgiveness? I have never heard tell or witnessed it. How about you? Well, as I wrote this bullet point, that was a true statement. Later on, we'll see a, an apology from Zuckerberg and a couple other people, but it's not really much of an apology. But let's, let's give an example here. How many people have seen the, the car uh, insurance commercials where you're asked to take this little device and plug it into your car and it lowers your rates? What do you think's going on there? I'll tell you what's going on there. You're feeding AI absolutely everything about what you were doing in your vehicle, where it goes, how fast it goes, just everything. So people need to start to think carefully when they are handed the option for digital devices like Alexa or something you plug into your car for some of the biggest corporations in the world, like Progressive, um, these types of things, just saying. Based on our research and backed up in the book, The Big Nine and Surveillance Capitalism, here is who and how AI comes into being in our lives to the best of our ability to deduce what is mostly hidden. Apart from the nine companies outlined in episode 165, here is what seems logical, reasonable, and likely. There appears to be just a few major AI hubs in the world, or gateways that bring AI into our lives. The epicenters of the gods with a small g, as Crow just said, of AI are Silicon Valley, Beijing, Hangzhou, and Shenzhen, where colleges are said to be the AI or the lifeblood of AI. In the U.S., we have Carnegie Mellon, Georgia Institute Tech, Stanford, UC Berkeley, University of Washington, Harvard, Cornell, Duke, MIT, Boston University, McGill University, and the University de Montreal. It is in these places that one can find AI research and development along with strong industry ties.
Think back to our early episodes that showed the complicit nature of U.S. universities with drug culture and the music industry used to socially program the West. Same, same. By the way, in 2018, Carnegie Mellon launched a new AI major, so very shortly, we will see degreed graduates in the world in the field of AI. Ironically, it is claimed that AI is even used to scan resumes and applications, further introducing bias into those who are accepted into the AI tribe of the lower G gods. You know, as I started compiling all this and uh, backing it up with the books I mentioned, online research that I could do and some other sources that I have at my disposal, um, the the striking uh, point uh, that hit me was that this is almost verbatim what we covered in the Laurel Canyon episode when we showed that drugs were being introduced to the young people uh, that was made in universities. Um, It is same, same. Uh, You can see what's going on here the complicit nature of all this. But the main concern is that this is going to be everywhere and it will not be uncommon in the next 10 years to meet people who have degrees in creating AI. Um, And the the real rub here is that it is a very tight, well, how do you say? It's just like a club that not everybody's getting into. Let's put it that way. And those will be the people that code this stuff and put the intent into the code that's going to make the decisions for us all. And of course, a lot of these universities should look very familiar as the ones who were there at the beginning of the internet, tying it all together. So they were there doing the groundwork right from the beginning decades ago. There it is. Uh, MIT is in the list, uh, Stanford. But uh, for there, there was a period of time when supposedly other countries were up in arms. They were claiming MIT controlled all the URL, how people got web addresses. That was supposedly all controlled and invented by MIT. And then it was, if you look at the story of how ICANN came to be, and if it's true that MIT was in control of all that, it's kind of another hidden story, Um, but I don't think it's deniable. And there it is. They show up in this list too, of course. Logically, we can deduce that the concerns and values of living humans is unethically ignored by what AI does. The process outline proves the big nine companies of AI are in bed with the universities who depend on their funding and clout. In all the research done for this episode, which is as extensive as any done to date, we have found nowhere where the concerns of humanity are considered outside of a single ethics course. In the book The Big Nine, a simple question is asked that pounds this point home. Who owns your face? After all, the faces of millions of us have been used without permission to teach AI and presumably begin the process for social ratings in the West, which is now already in Australia via China. The city of Darwin, to be exact. Surely this is echoing the coming evolution of surveillance capitalism, developed in communist China and ported out to the West, and likely to be a major concern in your country soon. It's going to be a hell of a thing to watch. Uh, It stunned me to see how quickly this was ported into Australia. And it makes me ask one simple question. Will people here in the United States be so open and readily accept what's going to end up being surveillance capitalism? Because that's what the AI will bring with it. To hammer the one-sided nature of the creators of AI home, it should be noted that not only are black, Hispanic, and other races barely represented, women make up only a tiny percentage of the AI tribe. 
Once again, we see the age-old issue of mostly white men, although Chinese are now present, making decisions for an entire world, woefully uneducated about the systems that they are creating. In 2017, a now infamous Google engineer shot out a memo stating that women are biologically less capable of programming than men. This makes one wonder what the men are doing in the AI tribes that women would interrupt. And while this point may seem a bit mainstreamy, logic dictates that any system designed to affect a world population should be considered and created by more than just a few people of one gender and racial background. But then again, old habits and systems die hard, and the testosterone-driven gods of AI prove that little is changed in the onset of digital control systems. Well, I got news for whoever that Google engineer was that wanted to make the claim that women are bio biologically incapable of coding to the level of men. My first job out of school when I got my internet technology degree, I was surrounded by people with computer science degrees, PhDs, master's degrees, putting together at the beginning of the internet some of the most complicated systems, and the best coder among them and the second in line were both female. So goes to show you what people say and what's real are not always the same thing. Seems to me uh, that women might bring more compassion to the concerns of humanity, and that's really why they're, they're not being accepted into the tribe that's putting values into AI decision-making, if I had to guess. Off of my personal experience, I could say that when I was in college, which is at the beginning of the 1990s, I had quite a few friends doing computer science majors, and there were almost no females. But of course, that was by choice. They certainly weren't being kept out. Well, I've, I've worked in the industry with some of the most educated people uh, that at the time were creating new technologies and patenting them. And uh, even the CEO of that company was female, and it was holy tech. But again, the, the lead engineer was female, and the number two, which was probably a tie with a man, uh, was also female. And what they were creating was as high-tech as it could be for the time in, you know, in the normal world, outside of what we're talking about here. Now, back to China, the world leader in AI and surveillance capitalism. The three main Chinese corporations implementing AI are Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent, known together as BAT, of course. In China, it is said that national wealth, education, and national pride are all fueling the world leaders in AI. Already, China is teaching children in grade school about AI, complete with a government-issued textbook outlining the fundamentals and history of AI. In 2018, 40 Chinese schools were promoting compulsory courses in AI, with a stated plan to expand AI training once more teachers have been trained. In short, no matter what the West chooses to do, this is not going away. And for those thinking that this is just in China, we will add that the AI monster corporation Baidu came into being in 1998 at a summer picnic in Silicon Valley, according to the book The Big Nine. If this is correct, and we are sure it is, there is no separation from what has been implemented in China with regard to planned expansion and control worldwide, facilitated by Western corporations. 
Could it be that good strategic planning in Silicon Valley knew it'd be very easy to birth all-encompassing surveillance capitalism and AI under a quasi-dictator in a communist nation, which could then serve as the launchpad for the entire world? Do we even need to ask that last question? At the very least, it means that the Chinese AI surveillance firms were created and driven by what they learned in American universities. But knowing Australia is already adopting these Orwellian systems proves the westwardly mobile intent strategized by Silicon Valley and American corporations. So much for government, which at this point appears to be nothing more than tools for corporations gone wild. Hey, here's an idea. Let's implement systems that would never survive the light of day in the West in a communist nation with a leader that is now in for life. Maybe we should also secretly put all of these systems in place in the West until such time as there is no going back, thanks to the work done in China. This is an important bullet point here. Um, it shows that there's no separation. All this came from America. All of it is being taught in the American universities, so that's starting to change now because China's up to speed. The point is, um, and I hint to it within the scope of what we're going to cover here, everyone looks at what's going on in China, and we will outline verbatim how social rating scores are implemented, how they work, all of it. That will come. I think it's an hour or two. But they're already doing all the same stuff here. It's just not out in the open. There is no separation. And so all these people who think that communist China is just screwed, um, think again. This is meant to be everywhere. The digital age is on a path in this direction, regardless of the intent of any one or two places. The point I would make is knowing that the big AI company Baidu in China came to be at a summer picnic in Silicon Valley should tell everybody everything they need to know. Silicon Valley is here where you live, and that's where all this started. Since we now know Baidu, the Chinese mega AI machine, was born in Silicon Valley, you should also know it is the number two search engine in the world, yet it is only used in China. It has a market cap of $88 billion and has a research lab in conjunction with the Chinese government made up of Communist Party elites, mostly from their military-industrial complex. There is no separation with regard to private industry of the military and the government. Did we mention versions of these systems are already in Darwin, Australia? We will examine Alibaba next, but the big boy in China is Tencent, not Baidu or Alibaba. So of the big three, uh, the one that's really going to matter is Tencent. And when we start telling you how it came to be, you're going to see again that this is all made in America, all of it. Um, Tencent is actually the parent company for China's version of Facebook, which is called WeChat. And by the way, that's a correction from the previous episode we did. I was thinking it was Weibo. Jason was saying it was WeChat. The Chinese version of Facebook, which is a bit like Facebook on steroids compared to how it's used here, uh, the parent corporation is Tencent. So there's all that. Alibaba has a secure payment system, much like the Western PayPal. This was the basis in 2017 for getting China's facial recognition up to speed when AI-powered kiosks allowed Chinese people to smile into a camera to pay bills. It did not take long for AI to move beyond the facial recognition issues it faced with regard to the similarities in Asian faces. 
Alibaba also shares similarities to Amazon with its smart speaker called Genie X1, the Chinese version of the internet agent Alexa or Google's home devices. Genie X1 is said to use neural networks and voice print recognition to identify users and authenticate them for purchases or other uses. The book The Big Nine claims there are over 100,000 of these devices installed in Marriott's in China alone. Does anyone see the Western future in development here? Marriott is a Western corporation with a family name. When addressing who is pulling the strings in implementing AI, governments are the tools and power resides elsewhere. So these are critical points. I mean, what they're saying here is all this supposedly unacceptable to the West Chinese surveillance capitalism is in Marriott's all over the country and not just a few of them. They're claiming there's 100,000 of these devices installed in Chinese Marriott's. But one of the key points here, and I'll draw the line for people because so much of what comes out of Hollywood echoes these types of ideas, is the correct way to refer refer to something like Alexa, the the home devices, uh, they're internet agents. Think back to the matrix. What is Smith? He's an agent, right? There it is. And of course, you don't hear a peep about this in mainstream media, do you? You just hear them complaining about Trump doing business and putting in hotels. But Marriott? Marriott's are everywhere with subsidiary hotels under Marriott. So it sounds like somebody's in bed with somebody, right? Well, it goes to show um, how how the media works. People are arguing about things that, that have no importance. These political ideas, Trump this or Hillary that doesn't make a damn bit of difference what the news or anyone else says about politics. It's going to be what it's going to be, and it's going to do it independent of what you want or think. Um, the, the, one of the main points here, oh, and here, here's another thing. There was just another thing in the news where they were admitting, you know, everyone who has these Alexa devices and other things are claiming, oh, it, it only listens to me when I say the word Alexa. That's not true. Google just supposedly got busted, and that's laughable, um, for admitting that that it's recording all the time. And now the users can call in. It's a bit like the credit card thing. We're doing these things you don't like, and if you call in, something can be done. But that started with credit cards, and now if you complain about a credit card, they close your account if you don't want the new interest rate or whatever the hell they're doing. Um, it's a similar thing. Right now, with the internet agents like Alexa, they're saying, yeah, we're collecting all your data now. You can make contact and tell them you don't want all your data collected. Um, I guarantee you that will be going away in short order. In short, if you have an internet agent in your house that's listening to everything, and it's more than just your voice, by the way. Well, I would think it kind of has to if it's listening for a keyword, right? Exactly. I mean, logic flees the scene in our society so often. We're so easily led to believe the magical qualities of this or that. Fact remains, you hit it on the head. If that device is going to respond when you say Alexa, well, then that means it was on the whole time, right? And that also means it was recording the whole time. Because if you say Alexa, that word has to go down the pipe. Well, you get it. So, you know, don't be fooled. These are logical deductions that anyone can understand. China has big plans for Alibaba technology in the form of a thing it calls City Brain. This Orwellian plan will use AI to crunch massive amounts of data from everywhere. And we mean everywhere. Here is a small list to make the point. Local data, smart city camera data, government records, social media accounts, search records, medical records, 
arrest records, tickets, violations, and, of course, social ratings. All of this will be used to do things like drive AI modeling for urban development, traffic management, medical needs, and the ability to predict social unrest. So much for the next Tiananmen Square, although who knows how much of that was just media manipulation. Also, Alibaba already has a cashless marketplace for food and delivery services. What a clever way to implement the coming cryptocurrency push. I suppose one could argue that our current fiat currency is valueless, but cryptocurrency will remove any hope of freedom in currency exchange. It will amount to total monetary control online, like everything else will be if things continue as we see it now. Not too long ago, the customer was always right in the business world. The coming digital business world will not even recognize a customer as a human being, but as a database entry with a statistical probability. These systems, by their very nature, are likely to be the death of customer service and aspects of humanity. You will be entitled to and will get what AI says you are eligible for and nothing more. If you find yourself upset with a social rating score, who are you going to call about it? The one or the zero? And of course, the guess is probably zero. There it is. There it is. And uh, of the first mainstream books, and one of them is is a massive tome, nearly 700 pages, Surveillance Capitalism. Um, the whole thrust of both of the books, and I took umbrage with a few things in both of them. One of the main things was accepting historical things that are provably false. But setting that all aside, um, what this is going to do to humanity, that was the aim and intent of both of these books, that currently the trajectory of AI we see is going to be a dividing line in the nonsensical world of once this world had dinosaurs, now it doesn't. It's going to be a dividing line like that. It's going to dwarf the Industrial Revolution in ways that are unimaginable if things continue as they are. Um, it's almost like there's going to be a humanity 2.0. That's the prediction in the books, and I'm with them all day long. And when you see bullet points like this, the main cause, the main the, the main thing making this effect move forward is that you really are no longer a, hum, a human being in the eyes of these systems. You are literally, and I mean literally, a database entry that has had AI run against it, against all the systems they have on that database entry to come up with a statistical probability that probability will drive what happens next. And at no time is your beating heart ever considered. When you just said that, I saw Zoltan Istvan throw up a little H-plus flag and start waving it around. <laughs> it's, it's really no secret once you know some true things about AI, and that's the purpose of this whole episode. It'll be interesting to see if censorship comes along on this, because we're factually researching and doing everything in our power to reasonably and logically work out what seems correct and what is acceptable. Um, and nonetheless, here in the West, you know, we're showing all this stuff in China. You think it's different here? It's just not out in the open. And we'll get to the point where we try to demonstrate that it is very likely China has a social rating score on each of us for when their systems come West. Here, whatever Western country, and by the way, here's all the social ratings on your citizens. And by the way, it is also likely that that's happening underground right now. And we can prove that out by things like loans, uh, insurance companies. There's all kinds of ways. So yeah, it's already going on. It's just in the West. It's below, it's below the waterline. 
Look, China doesn't just have a score on people. They know what kind of pancakes are your favorite. Well, <laughs> that true, true. Because you tell them every freaking day. That's right. That's been known for a long time. And the next time you walk in with your Ralph's card or your get money off card in any place you shop, um, that's what you're doing. You're feeding a database. Here's what I bought today and add it to everything else I've ever bought. And by the way, all this data is for sale. It's the whole point. And if you ever see things on smartphones like use our app, use our app, use our app, and they nag you over and over and over again, guess why? Because they can track you so much easier through the app. Yeah, what's funny is like there are apps where no matter how far you dig in, you're not getting any more private. Um, and there are some that kind of hide the settings and do other things. But what do you think is behind? Like there used to always be commercials on TV. There's a new online game. And guess what? It's free to everybody. What in the, the Lord's name do you think that is all about? So let's logically work this out. All these people somewhere in the world got together to do an extreme amount of coding and design and artistic work to create an online game. And it is not a simple thing to do, I assure you. Then they roll it out to the world as, guess what? Here's this cool thing you can all use for free. Do you understand why it's made in the first place and why it's being offered to you for free? I'm just asking. But as we get into this next bullet point, the stark reality is unveiled. There is no separation to what systems currently are operating in the West and the ones that are openly operating in China. And as a matter of fact, if you want to be a logical person, you could say China's being a hell of a lot more honest about it. It's in your damn face. It's no secret. Um, you're about to hear there's a slogan from China that says, make AI everywhere. You ever heard a slogan like that here? Well, that slogan is being adhered to here. The, the principles of AI are moving forward in the same way, but you will never at this point in time hear an American corporation come out and say, make AI everywhere. Yet they're all working to make AI everywhere. Just saying. Founded in 1998. Tencent is the big boy in China, and almost certainly a wordplay name encoding the 11 idea once again. Tencent started with one product called OICQ. It was a knockoff of ICQ, which many in the West will remember, and we covered in our social media episode. And the internet too, I think, right? Yeah, both. After legal battles, the messaging system morphed into WeChat, which, of course, copies Facebook nearly verbatim. Since China blocked Facebook, WeChat stood poised to take it all. And it did. There can be only one online. WeChat now has over 1 billion monthly users, but it also has nearly everything else as well, from hospitals to law enforcement to hiring at universities. It is basically Facebook on steroids. It does everything else we are familiar with, too. The hospitals even use WeChat to manage patient information and scheduling. Tencent's official company slogan is, Make AI Everywhere. While Facebook is the largest social media platform in the world, it is claimed Tencent's WeChat is far superior in technology, and Tencent's U2, no, that's not a joke, is the world leader in facial and object recognition. In 2018, Tencent was the first Asian company to exceed a market value of $550 billion, while overtaking Facebook in value and becoming the world's most valuable social media company. 
While Facebook is said to generate 98% of its revenue from advertising, Tencent claims less than 20% of its revenue comes from advertising. Facebook has 2 billion monthly users spread all over the world, while WeChat's 1 billion are all in China, making it the best-fed AI in the world when combined with data from the open internet. To frame the scope and power of China online, consider that Amazon reported that from Thanksgiving through Cyber Monday, it made $6.59 billion in sales. Tencent reported over $25 billion in sales in a single festival day. One single day. It's incredible. It's, it's absolutely incredible to see all these things that were designed in the United States, now over in China, just dwarfing everything that was created here. And that it's claimed everywhere that I researched that the technology is far superior as well. Um, but, you know, people shouldn't think this is mysterious. How many people have logged into Facebook and been faced with, and I'm not kidding here, a security checkpoint? Really? Security? That's the concern? To go use a social media platform? How many people have been put in what they like to call Facebook jail? You can see where this is heading, and there will come a bullet point, maybe it's an hour or two, I've forgotten, um, where Mr. Zuckerberg stands up to apologize for all the damage that he's done. But when you log into Facebook and are faced with a security checkpoint or the demand for an ID, you damn well better understand where this is headed. And China's already there. China's big three, called BAT, are also engaged in investing in many Western companies like Tesla, Uber, Lyft, and Magic Leap. The reason for this is that investment from China can mean the opening of huge markets in China for those corporations. But there is a catch. China demands intellectual property, or IP, in return for capital investment, which is a strategic and open policy of China, to ensure that its power and reach continue to grow. China openly states its intent in becoming a world power in economics, military, and geopolitics by 2030, and views technology and AI as the means to do so. If you get in bed with China, they demand IP, user data, proprietary technology, and much more in return. This includes even things like microprocessor chip designs, algorithms, data sets, and technical designs. China openly plans many decades into the future for its worldwide dominance, and this includes what it calls the global energy grid. Even their political systems shows their power and reach when, in 2018, President Z, which is a name that plays the 9-11 encoding game, had term limits removed, putting him in power for life and making it confusing to understand if China is now a dictatorship or simply communist, or perhaps both. I guess both, right? But this is a hell of a thing to think about. Um, basically, what's going on here is this is capitalism gone wild. So let's take a company like Tesla. Tesla wants to get into China's massive markets, but what they're asked for is a bit like selling your firstborn. China's going to demand the intellectual property, the data, the algorithms, all of the technology. But as I pointed out in the last episode, it's even worse than that. Because anything to do with something to do with China by edict has to be held on Chinese servers where their security forces can get at it anytime they want. 
That's the price right now for doing business in China. And what it basically means is in America, your intellectual property is what makes your corporation special. It's what makes you unique. Um, and what's going on here is if you want to do business with China, what makes you unique is handed right on over and then stored on a Chinese server somewhere. China has no shame in what they do. If you do business with them, anything you give them to make for you is fair game for them to rip off and make whatever they want to at a profit. Great example is what they call chipsons which is Chinese Gibsons, or Chenders, which is Chinese Fenders. I'm, I'm referring to guitars here, because Gibson has their Epiphone lower line made in China, and Fender has their Squires made there, as do a ton of other companies. And you think for one moment that these factories aren't run by people who are easily selling out those patents, all those technical data, all those things to people who are making really cheap knockoffs. But the worst thing about it is a lot of them are putting the American logos on them. So they're not just making Epiphone knockoffs, they're making Gibson knockoffs, putting the actual Gibson and made in USA on it and all that kind of thing. It's just the way they are. They will do this. Well, the, the first thing I would point out is they're not hiding that they will do this. It's in your damn face. And so, I mean, it sounds funny to say this, but I'll say it anyhow. It's kind of honest. They're not pulling punches. They're openly admitting what their intent is, their 2030 plan. Uh, they want to be world leader in this, that, and the other thing. If you do business with us, we're taking it all. Um, that's a far cry from how we ended up in, say, the Ad Admiralty Law System. It was not ever hinted at. Nobody understood what a birth certificate or any of the other things we got opted into mean. Um, so, I mean, I would ask, is it better to live in a system where it's in your face and it's no mystery or whether by the time you're 30 years old, you might start to figure out what's happened because everything's below the waterline? I don't know the answer, but I'm just pointing it out. While China plans world domination backed by political nightmare for those who remember freedom, in the West, we are told that China's military is quickly being modernized. But the United States Department of Defense is struggling due to Google and Amazon employees unwilling to work on upgrading technology for military or law enforcement use. That's right, folks. Our lame ideas of freedom and segregation of military and business are a problem as a dictator-led communist country does what it wants. In short, give up freedom to remain safe, and the old cliché echoes in our ears. Those who give up freedom for safety deserve neither. All this is a bit much to accept when we know the very Chinese companies we are talking about were trained here, developed here, partnered with here, and based on 100% U.S. technology. And yet our poor military cannot seem to keep pace, even though they have direct access to the universities where it all begins. This is the long game, and there is no light at the end of this tunnel, just an Orwellian existence that is pre-echoed in well-known books by those playing the long game for world domination in and around the circles of power. In the digital age, communism will be used to cow so-called freedoms in the West, and they already are. How is it that Australia so quickly adopted systems designed in a communist surveillance state nation? This is the long game, where borders are only implements to keep you in place and apart from other human minds, while at the same time, chess pieces move for world dominance. That which exists above state Government and country cares little for imaginary lines on a misdescribed map. You see, these are ideas that apply to the many, 
not to the few. There it is in a nutshell. There it is in a nutshell. Rewind, listen to that bullet point again. It's critical for people to understand. Uh, this, this whole thing that we're seeing coming is not a foregone conclusion. I've said a number of times in the notes, AI is not going away. Um, and I'm pretty certain that it's not. But how it is used, um, that's, not, that's not concluded. There's still a chance that as this comes into the open in the West, um, we might stand up and say, hey, we're human beings with human beings have rights. Um, and I would point out for all the people in America who act like they're the pinnacle and bastion of freedom, right now the EU has infinitely better rules and regulations in place for privacy with regard to the digital age. Not kidding. Go look it up. Um, so, you know, here we are at the cusp and that's really the purpose of episodes like this. People will have to decide, um, do you want everything in life decided for you and everything at your fingertips at the cost of freedom? Or would you like to have some freedom? Those are the primary concerns that will be the paramount issues for the next couple decades. Uh, when this plays out, however it plays out. There's irony in the limited number of printed books that cover the onset of AI, as they are still working with tired descriptions of our world and space, and acting as if the letter of some supposed law is being followed. This is provable nonsense when we know that all of our data is being collected without permission, among many other things that we could point to. Privacy, at some point, was just cast aside by those in power because they could. And drones are a prime example. I see what you did there saying prime. <laughs> Currently, there are a claimed 30 military and government agencies said to be using drones that look and act like birds designed to fool the human eye as well as radar. These drones are powered by AI that take the collected images and data for things like facial recognition. It is also said that the name of this effort is Project Dove. It is also ironic to use a symbol of peace, the dove, as you spy on everyone. This is important in the West, as we are already under such projects, and yet it can be shown that China openly uses systems like this to create what it calls an obedient population. So what is it being used for in the West? Birds of a feather flock together to make a pun. While China openly implements these obedience policies, in the West, the same thing is going on, just not in the open yet. Are we to believe that the very same AI systems, surveillance, and data collection used in China for obedience are somehow free of these ideas as they are implemented in the West? Do each of us already have a social credit score compiled for open use in the future? If it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it is probably not a dove. But in this upside-down world, even a dove might actually be a drone. There it is, man. So many of these bullet points, I don't, I don't even know what to add. It so thoroughly describes the situation. But I mean, come on, man. Living in a world where there's all these spy cameras called drones in the air and they're made and designed so that people can't recognize them. They look like birds. And not only can they not recognize that it's actually something filming them, all the data is being used to identify them and feed AI and things like that. It's all hidden, all of it. And I'll ask again, what's worse, being in a place like China where all this is openly admitted or being here where it's all being done, but it's being hidden to the extent that it's possible to hide it. Uh, I'm just, I'm saying it's upside down world, man. 
Well, that's going to do it for hour one. But you know, there is one thing that I do wonder, since we're dealing with English-speaking people in the United States and generally in the Western world, with the programming of these systems and all that, and then a lot of this going on in China. Is there a language barrier issue? Not just the human languages being used to interface with the machines, but also the programming languages. And I do wonder if AI, at some point when these systems start interacting, won't come up with its own unique language just for itself. Those are outstanding points. I tried to go down this road as I was compiling the research, and I couldn't get there.、Um, if you go into some Chinese AI site and they're writing code, I guess we would probably assume they're coding in Chinese. Yet all those people were taught in U.S. universities, so that are they coding in Chinese? I would suspect that they are coding in Chinese because that ensures that very few people could even deal with it if they could get a hold of it. But the the last part you asked there, exactly. So eventually, AI is going to interface with AI everywhere. So whether you speak Hindi or some form of Chinese dialect or Japanese or English, the AI will have to be recognizing it. And one of the things we pointed out is that AI can make more AI to solve individual issues and then teach across domains. So that too begins to support your supposition that is AI going to create its own language that bridges all languages. But、um, anyhow, Jason, that does bring hour one of 168 to a close, and the stuff we have had to push into hour two here is mind-numbing to say the least. And we're going to open up here、uh, in hour two, defining exactly how the social rating system automatically works in a city. Get this, called Rong Cheng. <laughs> Bit ironic that the prefix for that is wrong, right? Um, that's a city in China where 740,000 people are already under the social rating system, and it will be the model used to demonstrate how this works and how it is completely automated and completely free of any concern、uh, of, of human human concerns. Anyhow, we hope that you'll join us all Sunday night for Crow Triple Seven Live at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Truth Frequency Radio. For Crow Triple Seven Live, and we hope you'll join us next Thursday.、Uh, following this episode, Wayne McCroy is coming back, and we're taking on things like anti-gravity, the alien agenda, and the idea that somehow it's possible aliens might invade our world. Anyhow, hope to see you all over for hour two in the Free Speech Zone, where it's going to get—I don't know—I won't call it depressing, but it's going to get real really quick for this episode. Hope to see you all over at CrowTripleSevenRadio.com. Cheers. <laughs>